irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to Wake Up Hollywood with Nikki Corula and Eddie Pence, right here on LA Talk Radio. Wake up, Hollywood! Eddie Pence in the house. We get to monkey around. Ugh, gross. How are you? Good. Dude? How are you? How have you been? I'm good. I'm good. You did a show last week. Yes. Where did you perform? Uh, where did I perform? I think it was somewhere in Santa Monica. Was it the uh, what's the place in Santa Monica? It wasn't the burger place. Oh shit! Where was it? It wasn't the alley. The place in the alley. No. You don't even remember. I don't it was remember. Just last week. Some bur- It's a bar. What did you see solo? I did see Solo. What did you think? Uh, I saw, I've seen it twice. Uh, first time I had a lukewarm response to it, I was kind of like, meh, it's okay. That's been the general um, consensus. Some things bother me, but then I saw it again. I saw. I took Colton the second time to saw it, and he loved it. And I don't know if it was his enthusiasm for it, or the second time viewing it, or the Star Wars apologist in me, but I... I really liked it the second time. I really liked I it when I watched it. it. And I want to see it again. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. The funny thing is a lot of people didn't like it. It's gotten like a 70 on Rotten Tomatoes. And all well, it went up. For, it was 38, and it's gone up to 70. Wow. Really? We yeah. got a 38? It started at 38, went up to 70. Well, what didn't you like about it? I didn't did like you, the first 10 minutes. Did I you think like, they should have started. Did you like the Han Solo they picked? That, was that the, didn't bother me. Okay, I thought he was all right. He was okay. Uh, there was one guy that was in some Hans, in some <laughs> Harrison Ford movie. I forgot the actor's name who played a young Harrison Ford in a flashback scene. Looks and sounds exactly like Harrison Ford from like American Graffiti. Wow! And I was like, oh, they should have cast that guy. But uh, that guy that they had was good. I mean, I didn't. There was, a, I mean, for the most part, there was a couple times I was like, meh. But for the most part, he was good. Um, I don't know. I didn't like the first ten minutes. I didn't think we needed that part of it. I thought you'd just start like right when he's in the war. And just go from there. Uh, for some reason, I was like, I maybe I had really low expectations because it wasn't really part of the Star Wars, you know, like series. I mean, it is. It's a Star Wars movie, but it kind of seems like it's in another. Well, it's lane. the first one where it's sort of like at least, I mean, Rogue One was kind of tied in directly to A New Hope, but this was the first one where it's sort of like everything. It's like sort of took place outside of all of that. But but I, I, there were things about it I really liked. I yeah. was like kind of surprised. I liked it more than Force Awakens. Yeah, I did too. I I have it somewhere around the Force Awakens area in the hierarchy of the films. Right. It's to me, it's above all the prequels. It's above right. Jedi. Um, it's right around Rogue One, Force Awakens. I thought uh, Woody Harrelson was a great call. Woody Harrelson was great. Movie. All the casting, the casting was good. The casting, all the casting, was casting good. I, it was. I the more I think about, it, the more I like the movie. I mean, I, I at the time I had a couple issues with it, but. What was your first like issue 
with, I mean, obviously. I just didn't like the first 10 minutes. And then, um, and then you got back in it. Then I got back into it. Like, where when he meets Chewbacca, that's when it felt like a Star Wars movie. And then when he, the Falcon, and I thought uh, Lando was great. Uh, it was just, it was fun. It was a fun movie. I like how they're setting up the next, you know. Do you know anything about this I know they, series? O- they, o- they okayed the Boba Fett movie. I think Boba Fett movie is getting made with a director from Logan. So I don't know if what's happened, I don't want to give anything away, but whatever happened at the end of Solo with that cameo by that one character, I don't know if that's going to carry into the Boba Fett movie or if this is going to be like a series of Han Solo movies. I don't know. Because it it didn't feel finished. It felt like this was going somewhere else. Right. I felt the same thing. But that's what I liked about it. And that's what I liked too. I liked the, the action sequences with the story. A lot of people thought like there wasn't a strong enough villain. I like the little no, twist. I, I thought the the Kessel Run was great. I thought when he was they were flying that Imperial Star Destroyer came at him and they started playing the 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 music from Empire Strikes Back when they're flying through the asteroid field, like like that took me right in. So there's some there's some really great and stuff. And I also in there. thought of what was cool, I mean I mean, we're totally geeking out on this movie a little bit, but I like that the Millennium Falcon was like a really big character in the movie. Yeah. And you figure out they sort of subtly tell you, like, because 3PO has that great line, Empire Strikes Back, when he's interfacing with the Millennium Falcon. He's like, this, <coughs> this ship has, uh, I don't know where the ship learned to communicate, but it's got a very peculiar dialect. Right. And you find out why it has that particular dialect. Right. So. Yeah, there were a lot of things that they kind of give like you some a little, little things in there. Map. Yeah. And it was, it was I, fun. I like the card game, too. I think the game, I think the, game, I think the movie will age better than, than what the others. There's just, well, I just think people are hating to hate at this point and there's so many angry Star Wars fans anyway from Last Jedi that are just well it's kind of hard to please Star Wars fans they're, they're awful they need to go away <laughs> they really do they do they really they're need to go mean. away they're plain mean about every character because they're always like well, Disney's ruined I'm like honestly if you want to be like just an original trilogy fan which is fine just you like those three movies and that's it that's a solid argument because that, that series had a beginning middle and end it was a nice tight story right but Lucas did the prequels, which are awful. Right. And to say that Disney's ruining Star Wars, no. Like these, every movie they've made has been better than what Lucas did with the prequels. Right. So I agree with if that. If you're a Star Wars fan, and you're just upset with what Disney's done, then you you have no argument. But what I do love too is there's a movie every year. I yeah. Mean, I mean, made as a Star I think Wars this one fan? should have been pushed till December. I think Why? they should. I think there's a little Star Wars fatigue because Last Jedi was six months ago. I think. If, right. I think it would have had. Less critics had it come out in in December, just but a year. See, apart. you went and saw it twice because I'm a Star Wars. There's nerd. no, fati- yeah, so am I. So, but that's what they're counting on. They said it had it had less than favorable ex- expectations, but I think people will still go see it. It'll still it'll still clap. Yeah, and I, they, if it, I think if they're kind of trying to expand the universe with what it seems like what they're trying to do, like almost a Marvel universe type thing, where they're just trying to take these stories around the original trilogy. I'm all for it. Even if it's a movie about C-3PO? At this point, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're that invested? Mm-hmm. If a movie came out about C-3PO, I, I, I think do I'd, I'd wait for it to come I'd out. i go for it. Really? Yeah. You're like, dude, I like, I want to know how he I'm walks, all in. the walk. I'm all in. Well, that's crazy. Well, I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad I saw it. Well, we could talk about good this. Stuff. Let's welcome our special guest, Miss Eliza James. Say hello. Hello. Oh, our studio audience loves you already. Eliza James has been playing violin since you were a little, wee little princess. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been touring the world with Paul Anka. Yep. Burt Bacharach. Yep. You just played Coachella. Yep. With Eminem, Dr. Dre, and 50 Cent. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the trifecta in hip hop right, right now, for <laughs> sure. And let me ask you this. How did it all start? How did you get into music? What was your moment of zen that made you want to play the violin? I saw, I feel like it was a, a few things. My grandfather um, played violin a little bit and was always, we came over from England. My family's, half my family's from England. And, um, and he was just, he would play violin around me when I was really, really small, like an infant. And then I saw Itzhak Perlman, I think it was on like Sesame Street or something. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, mommy, I want to do that. And yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sesame Street? Sesame Street. I was yeah, looking at Cookie like... Monster going, I want to do that. Yeah. Not Cookie Monster, but eat the cookie. You want to do Cookie like, Monster? Gross. No, see, see, <laughs> I knew so I set myself up. Ugh. That's amazing. But yeah. So when did you start taking lessons? Um, I started, well, I was in Mommy and Me piano classes. Now when I was like, I don't even know how old I was, actually. <laughs> like, it was, I was in the womb. I was in it the was womb. It was just Mommy and Me. Um, but yeah, then I started taking lessons around age four. And That's when Eddie started playing the recorder. No, you, you play the recorder. Cole's going through that right now. That's got to suck. That's not a good... Such an awful instrument. That's, you know what? I don't know anybody that's a professional recorder what, player. Why would you want to hear that <laughs> on a professional level? <laughs> There's got to be somebody that was like, I can take this. I think it's just... Like, it's got to just... It's just like the... It's just like a basic learning tool for music, right? Like entry, well, like learn, I think. learn how to read notes. Somewhere to, there could be some... Like you it's know, a learning tool. That's all it genius. can possibly be. Well, it can't be. You could you could say that the Titanic soundtrack has a lot of recorder on it. Uh, yeah, so, see? You know? see? <laughs> gross. See that that, that could have been your I bag. Be, I don't want to hear that. Either. <laughs> <laughs> so did you start with classical music? I assume? I did. Yeah. Who were your favorite composers? Beethoven. All right. Um, I'm a romantic. I like Tchaikovsky, Beethoven. I mean, you have to like Mozart because Mozart's awesome. He's the best. Yeah. And he started on violin, too. Yeah. Um, Shostakovich. I like the Russian. You like the, lot. yeah, I was just about to say, you like yeah. the Eastern Europeans. Yeah, yeah. The passion. Yeah. You know? No Brahms. I like Brahms. No Schubert. I like Schubert, but not as much as, not as much as Beethoven. Beethoven's awesome. Beethoven is it's my jam. So what about, did you ever do like operas or anything like that? Did you? Yeah. Um, in college, I played a bunch because um, we had, for my scholarship, I had to play in a bunch of different, you know, groups and stuff. Where did you so, go to college? Azusa Pacific. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I, I'm from Arcadia. Oh that's yeah, my hood, right down the street. See this, Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> you you could have been playing recorder at Azusa Pacific. <laughs> yeah. Colton won his first jujitsu tournament at Azusa Pacific. See? Yeah. Yeah. Gold medal. Did he do it with a recorder or without? Yeah, beat the kid with a recorder. <laughs> Did he celebrate with the recorder? Yeah. He broke it over his head. Got his old medal. <laughs> Wait, is Colton practicing the recorder in your house? Yeah. Like, are you learning? You must be listening to It's hot, awful. It's Hot terrible. Cross Buns. It's, it, no, what was it? Yeah, it's Hot Cross Buns. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, something about a gift. I don't know what it was. Something with the word gift in it. I, if I was there, I would, I would ask him one. to play me a recital. I, in fact, oh. next time I come over, I'm going to make sure he plays no. like a 40-minute recital. Got one, he's got one more week of school, and that goes back to the school. <laughs> You're going to just see it show up on your doorstep. Nope. 
Anyways, did you play in school when you were a kid? Yeah. Um, I went to public school for one year, and then I wasn't practicing enough. They didn't really have like a very good music class there, so I was homeschooled after that. And oh. Yeah. And I went to private lessons and group classes and music camps. And I what did, music camp did you go to? I went to um, the Ottawa Suzuki Institute in Kansas and also Sound Encounters. At this, but that was the more advanced version of it. Where did you grow up then? What city? All over, kind of. <laughs> I was born in Yeovil, Somerset, England, and then moved to Philadelphia when I was really small. And then my dad got a job in Oklahoma. So we moved there. Wow. And then I moved to California as a nanny for my violin teacher when I was about 15 and a half. And you were just studying constantly? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. And did you want to be a soloist or did you want to play in orchestras or kind of do both? I kind of wanted to do both. Um, Being a classical soloist is a great thing, but it's also incredibly difficult. Right. (laughs) You know, just it's that top one percent not to say that it's impossible but i would i guess i decided i'd rather be a working musician you know and play all different kinds of music all different styles because i really do love music in general not just classical music right i studied classical music and it's it was like incredibly limiting because they were like no no don't listen to jazz don't listen to anything but classical music and even the classical musicians i was around because they weren't instrumentalists they were singers they were like all about classical music only and so i felt like this black sheep like but then you talk to like you know a string section or you know a clarinetist or something and they're listening to jazz all the time they're listening to other styles so much so it was like i i couldn't wait to break free to just try other styles was it frowned upon you playing other styles when you were oh yeah it was you got the same (laughs) i mean not by my not by my parents right you know right but i remember in college, like somebody found out that I was playing in a country band, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, she's playing she's fiddle playing, now. She's playing fiddle. Ooh. What? She must not be practicing enough." Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's what they said. Yeah, that's what they said. See, this is the uh, discrimination yeah, that musicians go through, Eddie. Can't discriminate. There, I love all kinds of music, Me and too. and I also swing dance, and I got really into into that scene. So I, you know, dabble. Why a bit. is it? Is it just because they want to keep classical music like a pure sound of classical music? Because other Im- music, other types of music, take influence from other types right. of music. Yeah, like it all bleeds around. Well, I think it's a mentality. It's a it's a very antiquated mentality of like you. If you're gonna be good at something, you can only be good at one thing. Right. And I I don't know. I, I think I, it's also because. I mean, it is very difficult. Well, we think about it. Classical music, it's like, look at the music on the page. Mm-hmm. Don't stray from it. Yeah. I think that is ingrained into the mentality yeah. of how to make it as a professional classical musician. Yeah, and I, I learned really easily by ear. Even as a child, I could hear a song on the radio and play it back to you immediately. So that was always part of my learning process. And when I started playing in bands... And doing recording sessions where you walk in, they're like, oh, we don't really have any music for you, so just play something like this. And they sing it to you. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, all right, I can do that. But, I mean, that's pretty, 
I remember the first time I did that, and I was like, oh, I can do this. This is You're easy. Like, Wait a minute. Just sing it to this me. This sets me apart. <laughs> yeah. See, you could be singing all that and stuff to, to yeah. Colton on the recorder, yeah. training him early. And he's like, no, I'm no. out. No. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Your parents must have been very patient. Oh, yeah. Because, let me tell you something, Eddie. Violin is not an instrument that you sound good on when you start. No, it takes five years to sound good. I'm going to double that because <laughs> I, I don't think... I've heard some five-year violinists, yeah. and they don't sound that great. Yeah, it's... So your parents must have been like, oh, my God, I hope she follows this through. I do remember my mom <coughs> saying one time that it sounded reminiscent of strangled cats. <laughs> you know, so complimentary. Like, oh my gosh. She, you should practice that again. Sounds like you're strangling a cat. You're like, oh, <laughs> like, thanks. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. That's wow. great. That's just the encouragement I need. See, no, what you... she was great though. She, she took me to all my lessons. She, in fact, she learned along with me. Wow. So she really? could practice with me. Yeah, she took notes at every lesson. She was there. You know, my, my, all my family was really involved. My um, dad, <laughs> my dad used to hold his breath. He used to get nervous for me, and he used to sit in the back and hold his breath till you finish. Until I finished <laughs> the piece, and then there, I got to like Suzuki Book th- Six, and the first piece in it is called La Folia, and it's four pages, and that's like the longest piece right. that you learn up until that point. And he looked at me and I said, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can hold my breath for four pages. <laughs> like, You're like, that's not even the hard part. Yeah, don't even worry about it. My mom used to sit in the back and do the bowings. Go up bow, up bow, go wow. up Wow, really? Yeah. That's, that's they were really cute. into it. They were really into it. So do it. they come see you play now? Whenever they can, yeah. Where are they based now? They're still in Oklahoma. Okay, so they were like... You go live the dream. Yeah. We've heard you play all your life. We will come to the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I did, um, I was in the debut orchestra for a while with the Young Musicians Foundation out here, and we played uh, Walt Disney Concert Hall with Michael Tilson Thomas, and they flew out wow. for that one because that was yeah, that's a, a big that's one. A big, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, Disney Hall. And they've they've that's come great. on the, my mom Hawaii with me this past year to see Bacharach. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it was great, too. She she stayed, like, the whole week because we were in Waikiki, this great hotel, and it was awesome. And afterwards, she she said, well, man, if touring is like this all the time, I'll just come on the road with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ah. Uh, like, oh, Mom, Ridgefield, Connecticut. Remember that one? <laughs> like, You're like, they're not all Hawaii. They are not all Hawaii. It's not all just a walk on <laughs> the beach, right? No. Exactly. Eddie? This recorder touring yeah, dream see? is slowly. Why are you hung up on the recorder? <laughs> because I just I, I want to bring wanna, you a recorder. You know what? I, I'm just going to give you the inspiration. It's the worst. It could lead you to stay with anything. Colton. The in, recorder's a dead on, end. Uh, in, in Waikiki. It's a dead end. <laughs> give, him, give him piano lessons. It's a dead end. Oh, no. Like, At least piano is always in tune. Colton's a talented. Know? Colton's a talented kid, but there's he's got the music ability that I have, which is zero. There's no <laughs> musical ability. I hope he's not listening. Either to one this. of us. No, and he'd well, agree. Music, he'd agree with me. music appreciators are just as important. Yeah, so. we need those recorder players to <laughs> pay tickets for there's us. No to, music to do what we do. Um, so let me ask you this: What was the first time that you made? a significant um, kind of like jump into 
other styles of music. Like you you played in a country band, but like when did you really think I want to make music in all capacities and just really throw it down? It was really mostly I started playing in a in a sort of angst-driven rock band <laughs> when I was like 17 and um because I was living here already, and I was already playing in the orchestra, and my teacher taught at Azusa Pacific. So I was playing in the orchestra, and I met some people, and we ended up forming this band called... Oh, gosh. Oh, what's the name? I like, I I like a good angsty band name. Uh, what, what, what were we called? I can't even remember what we were you'll called. You have to tell us. You have to call in next week and tell us. I can't even remember. Oh, my God. There's been a lot of gigs since then. That's all right. That's all right. But um, but yeah, so we was in this. I was in this band, and yeah, we were recording and stuff, and and I just thought, oh well, I could, I could do this in all different styles and learn. Especially that extreme. Yeah. And the fact that you were enjoying it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I could do this, no problem. And I was always, I always listened to. I like Dave Matthews Band because high five. That's <laughs> why we're friends. At the time. You know, when I was growing up listening to Dave Matthews, I didn't really know of any other band that had a violinist. Right, right. Except country, which right. I really didn't listen to, even though I lived in Oklahoma. It right. Was not, it was not a, really a part of our household. Because, hmm. I don't know, dad's British, mom's from New Jersey. I'm going to ask you a random no. question. Do you know a guy named Gabe Witcher, by chance? That name sounds very familiar. He's like a really well-known fiddle player. We went to school together. Oh, cool. And like we were going to school together, and he ended up, while he's a music student, he didn't tell anybody he's like this touring phenomenon. <laughs> he was like touring with Beck and Bella oh, Fleck awesome. and open oh. for Dave Matthews doing this whole thing. And that's rad. So I always ask string players. Some people are like, yeah, oh my God, I love him. So some people don't know him, but some people do. I think, I've, I, think I know him. Yeah, I just wanted to... We went to school a long time ago. That's so, cool. all right. So, let me ask you this: um, When was the first time you were like, "Okay, I want to record other styles of music and be serious as an artist as, outside of classical music"? Um, I think it's when I were you doing it with the same angsty <laughs> with the ang- with angst- the angsty band? Um, no, I started once I started recording with them. Then I started networking with different producers. And going, oh, well, if you need strings on anything. Right. And then I started doing, instead of just, like, playing, oh, just one fiddle part, I, like would, I would do an arrangement. And I could do it on the fly. Wow. And just pick out harmonies. And then I got a five-string electric violin, so then I could play viola parts and octave pedals, and then I could do cello parts. And wow. so I can do the whole thing now. And it became, like, this really creative outlet where someone could just give me a song and I could make it an orchestra of me. That's awesome. (laughs) Speaking of an orchestra of you, what are we going to play first? Okay, so first, let's see. What should we do first? It's up to you. It's your choice. Let's do Artist choice. Speaking of an orchestra of me, the first song is Natalie Cole, Love Brought Me Back, uh, produced by Richie Stites. And I did that exact thing. All the layers, everything. All the strings on it are me. And we recorded it at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Wow. (laughs) Um, At his studio in Hollywood. And this was the, I think, the last song she released. Hmm. Um, It it came out with her book that was talking about her addiction and how she 
came out of it and wow. so it's a, it's a powerful song all right let's go let's, let's hear it eddie me 
Expecting that last little change. It was yeah, so positive. Right? It was nice. Um, first of all, I'd never heard something so dark coming from Natalie Cole. When she said, ain't that a bitch? I was like, whoa, <laughs> she's throwing it down. Eddie, you get first question. I, have, I, don't, I don't really have one. <laughs> it was good. I don't know. You don't know what to ask? I don't know what to ask. You're like, where do I begin? Where do I, I don't know. It How was, long did it take you great. to do those pads? It's um, nice. Very pretty. I think we did it in one day. Yeah. Well, you got there at two like, in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a, like four hours maybe. Did they schedule you at tw- two in the morning? They were like, "We need you to come in," or did you? I have think something that's else? when I was available. Yeah, it was. I think it. I think we did. Maybe it wasn't even four hours. It might have been two hours. Was she there? I don't know. We were. No, she wasn't there. Of course not. Not at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> She's like, "Play for me tomorrow." No, but we. Um, yeah, we did it pretty quickly. Um, but there was also a lot of hanging out happening. So, right. you know, it's like I was probably there for four hours. Right. But, but it took you an hour. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe less. <laughs> we were just chilling. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so. awesome. Sounded beautiful. Thank you. Where's that solo? We need that solo <laughs> in there. Now, when you play with Barbacarac, are you the only string player? Yes. And are you doing lots of solos? I do. I have solos, yeah. But his um, music is very orchestrated. And so I have keyboards underneath me playing cellos and violas oh, so and, like playing and I'm pads uh, yeah and like it's parts. it's parts it's right. a lot of parts yeah and he's pretty involved oh yeah every part he has the best ears I have ever witnessed wow like, give me an example um we were in uh San Diego we played the belly up and we were in rehearsal because we played with we did a gig with Elvis Costello Wow. And we were playing a song that we hadn't played in a while on one of the songs off of uh, Painted from Memory, or Painted by Memory, the album they did together. And Bert stops in the song that we're playing, and he waits a second, and he goes, okay, seven bars ago on beat three, there was a snare hit. Can you take that out? Wow. <laughs> Everybody's just like, what? Everybody's like, what? Oh. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> You're like, I like working with this guy. I do, and he, you know, he he's very, he knows exactly what he wants. And after playing for him for 15 years, I feel like now he, in the beginning, he he would tell me exactly, you know, oh, I want you to play it like this. But now I know his style and I know what he likes, and so he doesn't really have to tell me anything. That's awesome. You learned him. Yeah. And is he is he a workhorse? Like, does he like to tour constantly? Oh yeah, he well he just had a birthday. How old is he now? He must be in his late seventies. Ninety. No 90? way! Wow, I didn't know seriously. He was that old. I'm impressed. I feel lazy now, Eddie. <laughs> I didn't know he was that old. feel lazy. Yeah. Wow. Well, he didn't. He didn't really want to like say it too much. I just said it on the radio. So. <laughs> It's, it's everywhere. As everyone knows now. That's impressive. Yeah, but he is so just he I don't know how you he must love to work. He absolutely loves what he does. And yeah, he he's the one of the most inspiring human beings that I've ever That's, known. That's you know what? I was telling you I met him and yeah. he was so nice. 
that's why. Because he yeah. truly loves what he's doing. He cares. And he loves the people that he's playing with. Yeah. How big is the band? Uh, there are, let's see, neon violin, two keyboards, trumpet, um, woodwinds. Uh, I got She's got like drums, a small orchestra. Drums, bass, three singers, and Bert. And sometimes his son Oliver comes and plays auxiliary keys or something. That's awesome. Yeah. Big band. Yeah. You guys have to like each other. Yeah, <laughs> we do. It's, it's, you know, it's nice. That's one of the reasons I love touring, too, because, you know, you have your road family. Right, yeah. right. Um, your family on the highway. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. All right, what are we going to play next? Let's play something else. All right, so let's do, well, since we were talking about Bert, yeah. let's play a Bert song. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this is my string quartet. That's my newest project, Quartet 405. Named after the freeway that we named after the freeway that we take to get to all our gigs. That's awesome. Um, or spend the most time sitting on. But uh, this is a medley. We actually did this for his birthday, and we released it um, on May twelfth. And it's with um, our keyboard player, who also plays for Bird, so it's a quartet and piano. And his name is David Joyce, and he's I think he's been with Bird even longer than me. Like 21 years or something. Man. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> These are lifers. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, though, when you see bands that travel like that. Yeah. So this is a Burt Bacharach medley by Quartet 405. All right.
avocado at the end. Yeah. Lila's pretty. That was um, super pretty. Lila Crosswhite, our violist. She and David Joyce arranged it. That's so. beautiful. Now I know I know two of the songs. Yes. What the world needs now is love. Right. And that's what friends are for. What were the middle two? Um, this guy's in love. Hmm. Did he write that? Yeah. But he didn't write the other two, right? Yeah. Bert wrote, wrote all of them. I thought Jackie Shannon wrote that. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was Bert, uh, What the World Needs Now is Bert and Hal David. Okay. And then um, Hal David was his lyricist. Wow. And then um, that's what friends are for. And Hal, I, Bert and Hal also wrote This Guy's in Love. And then uh, Bert and Carol Bayer Sager wrote um, What the that's, that's what friends are for. Yeah, that's an epic '80s. Anime. I know it's man. Yeah. I didn't know that he wrote "What the World Needs Now." Is oh yeah. that's crazy. Oh yeah, if you go go to a Burt Bacharach show, you will sit there, and through the whole thing, you'll be like, "Oh my gosh, he wrote that too." He wrote that in like every song because you know them all. Right? Did he ever write and, for anybody else or just himself? Well, I mean, he wrote thousands of singers have sung his songs, so you know, I think. Um, what the world needs now was originally. I don't know who originally. I think it was, wasn't it Jackie Shannon? Yeah, originally I think, and then they did a they did a whole benefit thing uh, to raise money for HIV research or something, mm-hmm. and it was like this. Or no, that was. I think it's that what the world needs now. Yeah, and, and it was like Stevie Wonder was on it. And, wow. Yeah. And they, Wow. Yeah. And so. you remember that scene in Austin Powers? Yes. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> he must have loved doing that. Oh yeah, he's he he loves Mike Myers, and he said it's like the most. It was fun such a he great, ever had on a but movie it was set. such a great like appreciation. It really of who was. He was and a great showcase. Yeah. It's just it's amazing, and he's like on this moving. Is he on like a moving bus? He's on or a one bus. Of those double decker bus. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so bitching. Such a yeah. bitching little little ode to him um so how did you get involved playing with paul anka that's been a recent thing yeah well paul anka i've bert's been 15 years paul anka's been almost six wow yeah and they heard about me and called me you need to do this (laughs) the music director john cross he's he's awesome i love him he's great he um he called me one day and i knew who paul anka was but i didn't really know his music it was kind of the same thing. Like, right. he's been a writer on so many right. different songs. I mean, he wrote This Is It for Michael Jackson. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He even has a song coming out with Drake. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. These guys, that's why I love working for them because right. they are constantly, you know, constant collaborating. Collaborating yeah. with people and, and changing and growing and doing cool stuff. He did a lot of stuff with Michael. Didn't yeah, he? he did. He did a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I remember recently that was one of the bigger things that they did. I think they wrote it in the eighties. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then he just released it. Well, let's talk a little bit about Coachella because that oh, was yeah, Coachella. a pretty exciting gig. I actually yeah, saw fun. you on that gig. <laughs> you played amazing. Tell us what that experience was like, from all the pyrotechnics to the rehearsals. <laughs> just oh, run man. us through that whole experience. The pyro. That was so. That was so hot. I literally <laughs> thought my hair was on fire. <laughs> um, now it was really exciting, and um, I love the band is great. Everyone who plays with Eminem is top notch. Isn't and Adam the uh, Adam Blackstone? Yeah, yeah, 
He's uh, I love. He used to be him. Justin Timberlake's. Uh, yeah, he's he's M- everybody's. <laughs> he does everything. Yeah, he's a, he's a badass. Yeah. He plays bass, and he's just like, he is like the sought after musician for yeah. leading a band. I mean, and he's, he's just the incredible. nicest guy, and just so such a pleasure to work with. You know, that's the thing. Like, it makes the gig the gig can be really cool, but if you're around people that. It are difficult. Then right. Then it's, it's not. It's not fun. You want joyous. Yeah. Joyous people. And I love, I, that's one of the things now that I'm, I think I'm the happiest in my life about, you know, is that right. I've, sur- I've surrounded myself with people that I love to hang out with right. and people I love to work with. Yeah. You know, so. All right. So you're playing with Eminem. So we're playing with Eminem. Pyrotechnic stuff going all oh, over the man. place. Going everywhere. And not only pyro, because pyro, you know, goes it's a flash and then it's done they had like fire on these beams that were probably like three feet above my head wow it felt like it was like on my head at the, you and could you hear him clearly like yeah we had he was we pretty had close in-ears. to you guys we had like, he was he was kind of all around the stage yeah but there are moments where i was i was actually thinking that when he's performing i'm like what's his mix versus what your mix what are you hearing well i was hearing a whole lot of drums because right, I was really right. close to them. I was like, oh, there's a cymbal like six inches from my head wow. right now. Because we have so many musicians on that stage. How many total? Oh, gosh. Maybe a hundred? No, not that many. But, man, it, I mean, it was a full string section. There were like eight of us and then two drummers, well, percussion and drums, two keyboard players, I think, guitar, bass, I mean, this was, it was a And it's big funny, step. like, you're crammed in this, like, and little pocket of the yeah. stage. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, like, running around yeah. everywhere. But that was one good thing about Coachella this year. They, the artists really employed <coughs> a lot of string players, and a, lot, a lot of orchestral musicians in general. You know, Kamasi played. Right. And he had a full orchestra. And Portugal the Man had a full orchestra. And it, it's cool, you know? It's, I like when artists do that, especially yeah, at a too. festival where it's yeah. like, you know, you don't really see strings a lot at festivals. Yeah. So it's amazing when they actually do something, especially with hip hop. Yeah. Because hip hop comes alive to me when it's got that live oh, yeah. instrumentation. And some bands don't do that. I mean, some artists don't do that. I saw Kendrick and there was maybe yeah. three musicians in his band. You know, it's just like. It also gives you something visual yeah. to. You, yeah. For your eyes to get a break from just staring at one person or two people, you know, the whole time. And was Eminem collected? And you knew about Dr. Dre and 50 yeah. Cent guesting on yeah. that performance. So was that kind of like a little surreal to kind of rehearse and just see these yeah. icons just like walking around? Well, we didn't actually rehearse with Dre or 50. Um, they just showed up at the show. Damn, that's <laughs> yeah, crazy. They, did. they, but but we did rehearse with Marshall, and he was, he's such a professional. And I'm listening to his music for years, you know. Right. And you kind of, if you know the studio process, you know that you can do a verse and then punch in and then do another verse and then you know. Right. But watching him rap, rap God specifically live. Blew my mind. He, he, <laughs> it's he like, I incredible. can't even think that fast. Right, right. <laughs> and he's just on it. So on yeah. it. Yeah, and it was his delivery, his time. Oh, his time. Like is some of the horrible. rhythmic things he does with his voice. Yeah. I've never heard anybody do yeah. other than like some tribal dude in Africa, <laughs> you know, or India doing some crazy yeah. tabla stuff, you know. 
So he's like yeah. really ahead of the curve. He is so he's such an amazing artist. And was he like hands on with the string arrangements and stuff like that? As well? I don't think that I don't know if he was hands on with the string arrangements. They were fantastic arrangements. Um, and uh, yeah, they. I mean, when we started, when we started, I think it was forgot about Dre. It was like playing a violin concerto. That's so <laughs> right? awesome. This was so cool. Like. Mixing, you know, strings and yeah, and it was like one of the best performances, if not the best performance of the yeah. weekend. You must have been like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the chills that I got when we walked out on that stage, and you just looked out, and there were people for as far as one hundred twenty-five thousand people. You could it. It just went on and on and on. I, it was amazing. It's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And All everybody right. bouncing together when California Love started. That was. You're like, this is crazy. Oh, my God, my God. I'm here. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> All right, what are you going to play next? So the last one is a country band that I play with. I mean, I still play with them. We, just, we haven't gigged in a minute. But um, the artist is really good. His name is Ben Dukes. And I've played with him for quite a long time. Do you have a lot of put-up-your-dukes jokes? <laughs> no, but I'm going to use that. <laughs> So using that. You have to. Oh, I have to. You need to be that person really in the band that heckles them. I think that. that should be the name of the next record. Put up your dukes. Yeah. Put them up. Hey, man, if you're listening. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's hear it, Eddie. So this is our cover of Mama Tried, Merle Haggard. All right. How about a little Merle Haggard? <laughs> Right. 
without parole. No one could steer me right, but Mama tried, Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better. But her pleading, I denied. That leaves only me to blame, cause Mama tried. I guess there's only me to blame, cause Mama tried. Just don't write songs like that no more, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he definitely sounds like somebody you need to heckle. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah, that was he, good. That was yeah. good. Fun. He's he's really fun to play with. That band is really really good. And I'll st- a couple of the guys play for uh, also play for Billy Ray Cyrus. So. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. This is what I was just thinking. Why is there the stigma with fiddle versus violin? Well, it's only not, from the classical side. Yeah. I know it's not on the other side. I think it's. Is it technique? Is it it's the... technique, yeah. And, you know, some some proper violinists are a little snobby. But, you know. but I mean, it, <laughs> it takes just as much chops and know-how. It to does. That, and that's a misconception, I think, that you can... Oh, fiddle is easy. It's not. Right. It's not. <laughs> it's no, not it's easy. Totally not. It, there's feel. There's so many. There's, you know, learning the licks and stuff and learning the, the bowing. And um, my favorite, one of my favorite fiddle players is absolutely one of the best violinists I've ever hmm, who's met. That? His name is um I just forgot his name. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he's one of my he's greatest one of my heroes. <laughs> oh my god. I have had a very long day today. That's okay. That's all right. Anyway. <laughs> you, can, you can text us that later. I'll text too. you that later. Anyway, oh Mark O'Connor. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, my brain is fried. My friend uh his dad is like one of country he's like in the country hall of fame. His name is Doug Kershaw. Okay. I know that like name. A, he's like a big yep. fiddle he's like the country fiddle guy. Yeah. Or he was like in the seventies and eighties. Oh, yeah, and country is such a, you know, I went to Nashville, I was there with Anka a couple of years ago, and we were staying at the, this hotel by this blues alley or something like that, and I just, you know, wander around looking for music and throw a rock in your head. Yeah, you'll right, learn. right, right. It's right there. Right so, on Broadway. And um, so I, I went in there, and there was a jam, so I was like, oh, you know, sign up for this. And at first, they looked at me and said, where are you from? Right. <laughs> what do You're you like California, but I got wanna, Oklahoma roots. You want to play what? Right. Fiddle? You don't. You play fiddle? Right. And then I told him, I think we did double and down to Georgia, and then they were like, "Oh, you can come back." Do you like? Okay, thank you. I <laughs> you pass. Can, you can fiddle. I pass the audition. Yeah. Eliza, where can people find you if they want to book you for a show or a recording session? Um, ElizaJamesMusic.com. Spell it out because people are dumb. E L I Z A J A M E S Music. You can spell out music, too. M-U-S-I-C. It was a test. You passed. <laughs> well, you've been an amazing guest. Oh, thank you for having me. Long overdue. Yeah. We definitely want you to come back. I wish you nothing but lots of sleep on yeah. the road. <laughs> and well wishes on your tours, plural. Thank you. And hopefully I'll see you soon. Yeah. Eddie? Yeah. Any closing remarks? No. just I'd... Any fiddle jokes? No, no fiddle <laughs> jokes. I love the fiddle. Aww. Yeah, it's I great. Love I love bluegrass. I love country. I see, you're getting in your Virginia roots. Yeah. I didn't know this side yeah, of you. Yeah, I, love I thought it. it was all rock and roll with no. you. See? 
I like bluegrass. Not not new country. This I'm gonna, I'm going to get you a box set of recorder music just <laughs> just no. because I want you to appreciate. No. I feel like You'll get you're it not back. appreciating the recorder like You'll you really should. Immediately back. <laughs> well, on behalf of no. Eddie and myself and Eliza, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.